Hi, everyone. Welcome to the September 10th, 2021 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been quite a week. It started last Friday, so let's get to our first topic. Forgetting Patty Calhoun's number one rule on Colorado Inside Out, the Redistricting Commission released a new map last Friday afternoon, well after we finished taping last week's show. I hope they've learned their lesson. The new map from the nonpartisan staff submitted to the commission is very different than the previous version. The new map creates a southern congressional district for Colorado, which changed nearly every other district. CD2 still includes Boulder, but now would extend west to the Utah border, and CD7 would extend from Jefferson County into several central mountain counties. Uh, Patty, besides breaking your main rule of releasing this news well past last week's taping, uh, what did you think of the new map? Well, they might have broken the rule, but they kept the second rule, which is at least keep something entertaining for us, which is that we are still seeing Lauren Boebert and Joe Neguse in the same district, which is amazing when you think Rifle and Boulder. They don't have a lot in common, and that would be an amazing matchup. We also, in this civics lesson, are learning other things, like you do not have to live in the district you represent, which would give them both a backdoor if this continues. We're going to see this change. We have over two weeks left before the final map has to be submitted to the Colorado Supreme Court. So you can see some changes coming because people are irate just with the change that was made between, what was it, last Tuesday and Friday during our taping, um, that really shifted things for Pueblo, for a lot of the the southeastern district. The northwestern district is the most interesting because there's just not a lot that that area has in common with Boulder. Although, David lives in Boulder. He can answer that. (laughs) Well, speaking of Boulder, speaking of David Kopel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. David, there's never going to be a perfect map that hits all the criteria. If you hit one community of interest, there's going to be another community of interest defined by something else that is going to be split or affected. But did the do you think the southern district is at least in the right idea with some more tweaking to do? Well, the the, the southern district's okay, uh, but the putting Boulder into northwest Colorado is is not. You know, you, you mentioned communities of interest, which the state constitution requires, and what, whatever you call that, when one part of the community is trying to destroy the other, that's not really a common community of interest. And if you look at the kind of legislators that Boulder elects, one of their top activities is trying to destroy the economy of northwest Colorado, and they've, they've actually made a lot of progress in that regard. Um, the, the Denver Post today reported that Lauren Boper said her home is in, in Silt, um, in the Northwest District would run in the Southern District. And of course, she could also move, move her home as well. And I, I've just got to say thank you to Representative Bobert because you have, have saved Boulder from a, a white fragility crisis. There are so many people in Boulder who can't even stand to talk to someone who's a Republican and certainly would never be friends with him or her. And if Bober were running in the Northwest District and did a campaign rally in Boulder. The white fragility meltdown would, would overwhelm our system. The aromatherapy centers wouldn't be able to keep up. We could be bringing in calming CBD oils by the, by the tanker truck, and it wouldn't meet the, the demand for the mental health crisis of, uh, of white fragility that would ensue. 
Uh, we, we told you it was going to be a fun week. Uh, joining us via Skype, Eric Sonderman, columnist with, Denver, with the Denver Gazette and Colorado Politics. Eric, uh, for a very brief moment, we thought we had this dream matchup of Jonah Goose and Lauren Boebert, but really, that's not to be. Lauren Boebert will be running out of CD3, the Southern District. Jonah Goose will be running out of CD2. It's still a funky, drawn map, uh, regardless of who's running. Uh, are there other areas besides the Boulder and Northwest part of Colorado that caught your attention with this new map? Sure, there's plenty that caught my attention, uh, Dominic, and I don't think we yet know who's going to be running against who because we don't have final maps or anything really close to final maps. As you indicated in your question to David, there is no perfect map, and I think we can all agree on that, but there are different degrees of imperfect. And this map that we are currently looking at, and I wish I brought a prop where people could see it, uh, is high on the imperfect scale. Yes, you have Ranger and Rangeley and Meeker in far northwest Colorado with Boulder. That makes no sense. You divide Grand Junction from Glenwood Springs. Tell me how that makes sense. You divide Eagle County, which is Vail, from Summit County, which is Breckenridge and Keystone and Frisco. That, that's a community of interest that should not be divided. Even across southern Colorado, you divide up the lower Arkansas Valley. You have uh, Otero and Crowley County uh, counties in one district, and you have Bent and Baca and Prowers County in another district. Why should not La Junta and Lamar be in the same district? Even the little town of Bennett out in eastern Colorado, which straddles the Adams County and Arapahoe County line, the little town of Bennett, which is like two or 3,000 people, would be in two congressional districts. I think my main problem with this map, Dominic, and I hope wiser heads will prevail here, but my main problem is you could conceivably have an eight-member congressional delegation with no rural representation. Douglas County could dominate that eastern district, District 4. Uh, Boulder would certainly dominate that northwest district. Pueblo could well dominate that southern district. And you could have eight members of Congress with not a single one of them from either Western Colorado or rural Colorado. That is not right. Renner at the panel also joins via Skype. Caitlin Kim, Washington reporter for Colorado Public Radio. And for those of you who may not be keeping up on podcasts, she is one of the key members of the Purplish podcast uh, from CPR, which has done a magnificent job covering redistricting. They've done a variety of episodes on this. So if you've not checked it out, you want to get some more detail, I would certainly encourage you to do so. Caitlin, it's great to have you on the program. As you, as a reporter, looking at this whole issue, we know there's a deadline looming. So what are the, uh, what are the other events and issues you think we should be paying attention to as we look towards the end of this month? Well, I think the big thing that you'll be seeing is uh, the commission talk through these different maps, the east-west orientation map, the the first draft map, and then the staff map, which creates the southern uh, district map. Uh, Last or this past week was the last of the public hearings, but people can still um, submit comment. And they're going to be talking about it. I mean, I think the commission, is, as people have mentioned already on the in the in the roundtable, the commission is, hasn't solidified, hasn't solidified behind one map or the other. I think there's still debate going on, and that will continue for the next couple of weeks. Um, they've already asked some commissioners have already asked for tweaks to the map. So I think that's going to be interesting uh, to come out. Nothing is perfect, and I think another thing that one of the commissioners has mentioned that we will be seeing is how the commission decides to prioritize the different communities of interest 
throughout Colorado. Um, and I'll be looking to see, I'm sure with as long, along with everybody else, where their debate takes them. Um, I, for one, think the Southern map is kind of interesting from a political point of view because it does, I think, shake things up a bit. And just as a reminder, Colorado did have a Southern district for um, a couple of years, maybe 30 or 40 years ago. So that's not necessarily a new idea. But I think there are going to be tweaks to the map, given some of the feedback that we have heard, like putting Garfield or not including Garfield in the Southern District. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. And I don't envy the commissioners at all. I completely agree. It'll be an interesting couple of weeks and the commissioners have a difficult job, but it'll be very fun to report on. Let's get to our next topic. Douglas County commissioners formally voted to split away from the Tri-County Health Department this week following the plan announced last week. An additional wrinkle appeared courtesy of Arapahoe County officials who formally requested that Douglas County delay the separation and threaten legal action if Douglas County's departure causes unexpected costs for Arapahoe County, citing the original partnership contract and state law. David, as our esteemed lawyer at the table, um, does Arapahoe County have a legitimate beef? Uh, they may. Uh, the, as the county attorney's letter argues, the state law requires a, a one-year notice uh, for a county to exit. Douglas County voted to exit in July 2020, and then it suspended its exit uh, when Tri-County Health came back and, and promised up and down that all that their mandates would, would have local opt-outs available. And then uh, they turned around and, and broke that. Uh, promise uh, and ordered even three-year-olds in independent schools uh, to wear masks. And, you know, it, it's hard to out-crazy Australia uh, on, on COVID, but even in Oz, they don't force mask uh, preschool and, and elementary children. So Douglas says it's met the one-year rule based on July 2020. Uh, Arapahoe County attorney says the one-year clock has to start all, all over again. Douglas County has paid Tri-County up through the end of 2021. So if the Arapaho uh, attorney position prevails in court, then Douglas would end up having to pay for, for eight more months of Tri-County. But the, the funny thing is, Arapaho County and Adams County are also considering leaving. So by 2023, the Tri-County Health Department may be the no-county health department. So, Eric, when we look at this issue, um, it, clearly it's, uh, you know, it's about fine print of contracts, but really comes down to politics. Do you think there is enough of potential political win for Douglas County commissioners to uh, take care of or at least to compensate for a messy divorce? Good question. I think it is far easier to leave a health department than it is to form your own. So good luck to the Douglas County commissioners in terms of constituting a new health department and building that up uh, from ground zero. I know you live in Douglas County, Dominic, so you have a particular interest uh, in how they pull this off and how they do this. Obviously, this is intensely political. It relates to vaccines. It relates to mask orders. It relates to this divide in our country which is so deep that we are now, uh, the, that issues related to public health have become at the center of this red-blue divide. Uh, I think it relates in a, in a way to President Biden's uh, speech yesterday, his frustration, his annoyance uh, with those who won't take the vaccine. Um, and it's not Joe Biden alone. I mean, I wrote a column recently uh, leading off with the, uh, deeply conservative governor of Alabama of all states, a matronly woman in her upper 70s who had finally had enough 
in her very lowly vaccinated state with uh, people who would not get the vaccine and basically pointing the finger at them and holding them accountable for this crisis without end that we are in when there is a much better path that we could be taking. Caitlin, uh, this issue in Douglas County is somewhat of a microcosm of what we're seeing really across the country. As a Washington reporter, you've seen just recently yesterday with uh, President Biden announcing uh, mandates of his own regarding vaccines. Uh, this is not going away, but are you seeing this play out both from a local level and a national level? And do you see any resolutions in sight? Um, well, to answer your question, yes, I see it both on the local and the, the national level level. And I don't think there is a resolution in sight. I think, as Eric mentioned, part of where, where we are now or what the federal government's trying to push now with this mandate is sort of the frustration. Like he was giving it time for people to do, you know, to, to wait, to get the information that they needed. But ultimately, he was waiting for them to do the right thing. And, and I don't think it's happening. I mean, the fact that I think there is almost a quarter of the population that hasn't received a first dose, and that's, you know, allowing the Delta virus variant to rise. And then you're seeing you know, more hospitalizations, more deaths, and, and more frustration, I think, amongst the public in general with the way this, this is going. You know, it is a public health issue, but I think it's also an economic issue because the longer this drags out, it, it becomes a drag on the economic recovery. I don't think anybody wants to go through another economic shutdown again or anything close to it. Patty, uh, you know, we've had uh, mask mandates. Well, if you, if you didn't like mask mandates, you're going to love vaccination mandates and maybe anything in between. Uh, what do you think is next for kind of conflicts that we're seeing here in Douglas County? Well, what we have to remember is health departments actually do more than mandate or suggest vaccinations or masks. I mean, this is a big bureaucracy we're talking about. You're doing all the licensing. You're doing the restaurant um, checks to make sure that they're following proper procedures. There are a lot of bureaucratic levels to what health departments do. So to think you can go set one up easily and that there are all those talented people out there who would be able to do it for these three counties if they all wind up leaving is really interesting. I talked last week about Jefferson County, which found out just how involved it was to set up a health department a few decades ago. They did a good job, but I don't think we have a lot of faith in Douglas County being able to agree on what even constitutes a decent health department. Remove the COVID issues and just say, you need to have a lot of procedures you follow. Will you be able to set that up without the commissioners interfering? And let's remember, they had a very rancorous election last November. So things are not going to calm down in Douglas County for a long time, unless perhaps we have more top-down mandates, not just from the president, maybe Polis will do more since he's let the states, uh, the counties make up most of their minds, but we're not done with this yet. The city of Denver announced this week that it will close Civic Center Park on September 15th for at least two months due to unsafe and unsanitary conditions. Park officials will use the time to reseed the lawn and clean up various hazardous waste, including drug paraphernalia. Officials also announced that social workers will be available for any homeless individuals needing assistance. Uh, Eric, last time I checked, uh, when you close a park that does not necessarily solve a problem, it moves a problem. I'm not sure if uh, the residents of Golden Triangle will consider this necessarily a solution, but I guess you have to start somewhere. When you hear about basically one of the highest profile historic parks in Colorado needing to be closed for hazardous waste pickup, what goes through your mind? What goes through my mind, Dominic, is that this is a testimony to how bad things had gotten. 
that the mayor had no choice. I regard this as overdue. I think it was the right move, even if a belated move on Mayor Hancock's park. Uh, that park had become a mess. It had become uninhabitable for anyone other than homeless people. Uh, and it isn't even so much a problem of the homeless. It is a problem of mental illness and a problem of rampant drug abuse. And it was even uninhabitable from any humane point of view uh, for people who suffer from, from those ailments. Uh, obviously, your question is the right question. And this doesn't just go away. It doesn't just disappear. It disperses into other neighborhoods. It disperses into other areas. But at least for a moment in time, there's an opportunity to clean up Civic Center Park, to get it right, to put some systems and monitoring in place so maybe it doesn't just automatically revert to where it was. Any city, any big city as Denver should be able to have a few jewels in that city. And Civic Center Park is one of those jewels and it is time it be reclaimed. Caitlin, this is another one of these local issues with other national echoes, be it other large cities dealing with similar problems or other, uh, you know, bigger parks or, you know, the, the key areas for cities or places that want to be open to the public that are considering its own problems. What are you seeing either from a national or a local level of any potential solutions or at least pinch points that can be addressed? Nationally, I don't think there, there is there is a, a that there is something that can be addressed uh, on this issue. I think you know again to what Eric had said and and to you, what you have mentioned, this is more than just sort of a homeless problem. There are other factors that are are leading into it. I think cities deal with their their issues like this park on a case by case basis, um, and you know. It, it is probably a little long overdue. I don't get to go to Denver that often, but when I do, like I, I have gone through the park and it is, you know, you would expect a park, especially one that's so close to the Capitol to be sort of kept up and just really sort of be a jewel to shine. And it, it is sad, I think, when it's not. And I do think this is a way, to, this is one way that the city is trying to address that problem. That said, like even in Washington, D.C. and DuPont Circle, I don't go through walking across that circle at night, mainly because the rats are really huge, and I just like to avoid that. <laughs> I am very glad to hear that you were avoiding the, the big rats in D.C. I'm going to leave that right there. Uh, Patty, uh, let's, uh, when I think about Civic Center Park, this is not the first time that, I guess, the city or all of this in the community have learned this lesson. I think back to Occupy Wall Street, turning <laughs> Occupy Denver. We have, we've had protests. We've had various levels of occupation. Um, we, we're, it, I, I've heard this song before, and I don't know if any other if there's any sign that we won't be hearing the same verses a couple of years from now. We're hearing the same verses all around the country. One of the things people seem to forget is Denver has a curfew in its parks, and in fact, the curfew is pretty well maintained. So the people who are hanging out in Civic Center Park during the day are not there at night. So already you have the tents that are all over the Golden Triangle. Capitol Hill, downtown, and now sometimes even in the suburbs. And my office has always been, has been in the Golden Triangle for the last 20 years. So you've seen it happen. Uh, so we also had Civic Center closed right at the start of COVID for months and months. So this isn't new. It is a mess there. 
closing it is not going to really affect things at night. What it will do is send people into other parts of the street during the day. You might recall that last year the state closed off Lincoln Park, now Veterans Park, I think, which is right across the street from Civic Center Park. It's a state property, which means it doesn't have the curfew, and that's why there were tents up there at all times. They closed that to clean it out. The biggest problem is you close it, you clean it, it gets bad again. So we have to work more on the all the different components of the homeless problem. It is drugs. It is mental illness. There's a lot there, and you have to attack it on all fronts. The Civic Center Park thing, symbolically, it seems like a lot. From a realistic standpoint on services, it doesn't mean that much. David, the, the right move from the city? It's a start, but as, as everybody else has said, it's a problem that, that's much more widespread than just the, the Civic Center. You know, why do people experiencing meth get to camp 10 feet away from the front door of, of families' apartment houses? In 1981, Federico Pena ran for mayor of Denver with the, the slogan, Imagine a Great City, and the people elected him mayor. And we now have a mayor and a city council whose heads are just full of their own grand imaginations and, and visions. But under their rule, Denver is decaying and dangerous. And there are a lot of people in Denver who won't even, wouldn't even ask for a great city right now. They would just like a competent government that stops people from defecating on other people's property. Let's get a quick take on this last one. We just heard this week the White House announced on Thursday that President Biden will visit Denver next week as part of a three-state tour, rolling out his Build Back Better uh, economic agenda. Sites and times have not been announced as of yet. Uh, Caitlin, we start with you. Besides being a pretty solid alliteration, uh, anything else we need to know about this agenda being announced and what we might see from President Biden next week? This agenda through Congress right now, so I think you'll see him talk a lot about the reconciliation bill and how Build Back Better can help Denver. I don't think it's surprising that he's decided to come to Colorado. It would be his first trip as president to Colorado, but it's a, it's a state that he won handily. And I think there are, are issues here that he can promote. Um, and, you know, the Vice President Harris was here in March, I believe, of this year to tout the American Rescue Act. So this sort of builds upon that, I believe. Uh, Patty, it's it's kind of a funky tour. There's Idaho, there's California, wildfire damage, and then popping into Colorado. Um, will it keep the themes that we've heard about so far? Well, I think he'll stay on point, and he will push some of the things he talked about last night with the more far more draconian um, acts regarding COVID. And he's going to talk about building back. And certainly, I think we will see the mayor of Denver very happy to welcome him for all his big plans coming up, and the governor, too. Uh, David, uh, should we expect anything newsworthy from our uh, presidential visit? Well, sure. I mean, some people are saying that the reason the Civic Center cleanup is happening was because of Biden's visit. So that's building back better right there. Uh, absolutely. You know, President Biden and Vice President Harris, every time you visit, a little bit of the city becomes safe for a little while. So please come back often. <laughs> they can come back for an all-star game yeah. once in a while. We'll really be yeah. uh, on, on a streak. Uh, Eric, go ahead and wrap it up for us. Well, it's good to have Colorado back on the itinerary for presidential visits. We didn't get much in the last four years. Those were reserved for uh, deeply, deeply red states. I think Biden's main message is going to be this linkage, which I think is a mistaken linkage between the trillion-dollar true infrastructure passage that is passed but still 
still in a holding pattern. And now that 3.5 trillion, throw a dart at the wall, pick as big a number as you can find package that Democrats want to attach to it. Um, and I think Biden is going to be selling that package. Uh, and I think it is a tough sell. Let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week. As always, Ms. Cahoon, please start us off. Before Biden comes here, he will be commemorating those who died on 9-11, those who responded, those who continue to suffer. Other presidents will be there, but we will have Donald Trump announcing, is is it wrestling or boxing match? Uh, UFC match, I believe. Thank you. David. Also on September 11, 20-year anniversary of the start of the war, the Taliban will have a, be having a big ceremony uh, celebrating their complete victory thanks to President Biden's completely incompetent withdrawal. They control more of Afghanistan than they did in 2001. They have much more international support, including an alliance with China, the world's leading experts on mass murder of dissident Muslims. And they have uh, the world's fourth largest fleet of Black Hawk helicopters, uh, a gift from the Biden administration, not to mention uh, $83 billion of uh, military equipment overall. And they actually have more hostages right now than the Iranian regime did in 1971, 79. So America's longest war isn't over, but the battlefield will be changing from Kabul and Kandahar to the rest of the, to the civilized world, including many more terrorist attacks against the United States. Eric, we go to you for your disgrace of the week. Well, Patty really stole mine with Donald Trump spending 9-11 uh, emceeing or announcing a fight involving a 58-year-old washed-up boxer. That speaks for itself. Let me real quickly, Dominic, go local. Uh, Axios, well, it was based on a report by the Greater Park Hill News, pointed to Fairfax Park, a park in uh, North Park Hill, where there's a project going on. It is hugely over budget. And guess who the main contractor is? It's a construction company that is owned by the brother of Scott Gilmore, who is the deputy manager of Parks and Recreation in Denver, the supervisor of the project. And Scott Gilmore happens to be married to Stacey Gilmore, the president of Denver City Council. So it's all very, very cozy. Caitlin, we go to you for your disgrace of the week. My disgrace of the week is that I don't have a disgrace of the week. I'm sorry. Like, uh, I feel like this this week has not been a really horrible news week. I would have also gone with the 9-11 and how Donald Trump is going to spend that. But I feel like it's already been mentioned. So, yeah, I don't have one. I'm sorry. No apology needed. Positivity is always welcome here. We have about a minute left, so we need to say something nice about somebody, but rather quickly. Patty. Well, part of the continuing disgrace is that civil discourse has gotten no better, really, since 9-11. But I think tomorrow on the 20th anniversary, we will at least see people behaving a little better. David. The Intercept, the web-based investigative newspaper that... Uh, produced the the documents showing that U.S. taxpayer dollars will give were given to the Wuhan Virology Laboratory for the purpose of gain of function research to make it more uh, the coronaviruses more transmissible. So you can't complain that U.S. tax dollars don't have any real world effect. Eric, we go to you. To all those who lost everything on 9/11, to their families, to those still suffering and to everyone whose lives were affected, which is really all of us, by the 20-year aftermath of what uh, transpired on that fateful, historic day. Tomorrow's an important occasion. And, Caitlin, we go to you. For me, I think it, it will be, the positive thing will be sort of the country hopefully coming together tomorrow around the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I think hopefully it will bring out sort of the best of us as a country and also help us bridge some of the the partisan civil discourse that been dominating the news for the last several years. 
Okay, I think that was well said. Uh, you think about the, there's a, a 9-12 effort. I, for, I remember 9-12, how united the United States felt uh, uh, like uh, 20 years ago. We can get that feeling once again. I don't know when, I don't know how, but it'd be nice. Uh, for everybody here at Colorado Inside Out on PBS 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night. Thank you.